It ought to make us feel ashamed when we talk like we know what we're talking about when we talk about love. Raymond Carver Hello, my name is Gordon and welcome to my podcast. A friend sent me a couple of Raymond Carver's books and I thought if I could get a few more friends and listeners like her, I'd never have to buy another book. On that note, I do and don't care how many people listen to my podcast. I do try hard to put together some coherent thoughts while throwing in some of my personal experiences. That being said, if you can think of a friend or two that might enjoy one of my episodes, share it with them. They can either listen to it or not. That's on them, and hopefully I won't embarrass you. Someone recommended I read The All or Nothing Marriage by Eli Finkel, and my first thought was, yuck, why would I want to do that to myself? But they liked it, so I'm reading it. Surprisingly, it's pretty good so far. I may retract all of this if things become absurd, like we have a female president I didn't know about or something crazy like that. (laughs) Okay, this is kind of a boring thing, but it's kind of cool, so listen, please. Anyway, I like that it reaches back through history of marriage and fast forwards to today, explaining how marriage has evolved from the agrarian society, agricultural, to the second industrial revolution up through now, how marriage in the agrarian society was more about pragmatism, survival. Everyone had a role to play. Large families, since they became your employees and support, working together daily, fully invested in one another, driven by one purpose. Love wasn't the focus, Protection and family survival drove the bus. Then they skipped to the second industrial revolution and the advent of mass steel production and electrification. Night became day. Third shifts became common. Mass production ramped up and jobs were plenty. Urban growth outpaced rural. More time was spent working separately from one another. Separate spheres of life were created his as a provider and hers as the emotional and moral center of the family. Victorian constructs began to loosen, corsets were being shed, women slowly began to feel more empowered. Marriage became more choice than need, love, intimacy, and emotional support began to become prerequisites. But women were still marginalized to the point where they had fewer options which may have led to more marriages staying together because of obligation, shame, or necessity. The point being, more stayed together whether they were below average or good enough. Fast forward to today's environment, and I'm actually giving you the short version. Dual incomes, the increasing empowerment of women. I blame the 19th Amendment. (laughs) Dodges a tomato. No-fault divorce, existentialism, tough word. Diminishing role of religion, the post-industrial workforce that's more cognitive than masculine. True self-sufficiency available to anyone seeking it. Self-actualization and independence, social media and the myth of unlimited options. Nexting become commonplace. If this doesn't work, then the next thing likely will. Simply put, today's women don't need men to survive. Not totally true, but you get the gist. Marriages are now more equally yoked, requiring each to do their part. Emotional intelligence and growth and personal development are 
or prioritize. I think of it as interdependency 2.0 since self-expression leads the way. And now that women have more freedom and options, marriages have become more fragile. That's not a bad thing. It's just interesting. We all require more emotionally from one another, and I think that's pretty good. That's where the title of the book originates, The All or Nothing Marriage. The book concludes that most marriages could be a whole lot better, but the best marriages are better than they ever have been. Anyway, good luck out there. As most of you know, I continually encourage everyone to find a creative outlet. Mine is this podcast and reading, maybe scribbling a crappy poem here or there. What's been interesting to me is how this podcast has turned me into a better reader. Not faster by any means, just more deliberate. As I read and search for interesting things to share, I find myself paying closer attention to what I read while taking notes. What I think most I most enjoy are the conversations spurred by what I share. They seem to be more interesting and dynamic than before, more purpose behind them. Of course, I still love talking about golf swings and cussing when I miss a putt, but I like that people listen and want to share their thoughts, agreeable or not. It expands our relationship into more than just sports scores and did you see the color they painted their house? Another friend sent me a book titled The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. You see where this is going, right? Hmm. Nabal was born in India in 74, moved to New York with his parents at the age of nine. He graduated from Dartmouth in 95, and in 2010 launched Angel's List, was named Angel Investor of the Year in 2018. He's a Silicon Valley icon. Here are some tidbits from his, the book. 99% of all effort is wasted. True that. If your values line up, the little things don't matter. Learn to be still. Happiness is peace in motion. Peace is happiness at rest. Read what you love until you love to read. Happiness is there when you remove the sense of something missing in your life. When nothing is missing, Your mind relaxes and stops running into the past or the future to regret or plan something. I like this one. As a vowed contrarian, I loved it. A contrarian isn't one who always objects. That's a conformist of a different sort. A contrarian reasons independently from the ground up and resists pressure to conform. I'd noticed and followed Nabel for years on Twitter where he has over 2.5 million followers. He's cool and the book is just is good just in case you want to grab it. He shares his thoughts about building wealth, building judgment, learning happiness, saving yourself, and philosophy. He's cool. Focusing on the prefix para, para. To be next to, to be side by side, para. Did you know there are over 1,500 words that begin with para, paranoid, para, parable, parallel, paralyzed, parasol, paramore. Hey, they're a band from Tennessee, but they spell theirs with the letter E. Anyway, the word of the week is paradox a seemingly absurd or self contradictory statement that may 
proved to be true paradox. I'll share a few examples. Growth happens gradually, then suddenly. If growth could be taught in books, then we'd be done. The most argumentative persuade the least, and that's what I keep telling her. Work longer, get less done, and I could not share this enough. The thing you fear the most is most often the thing you need to do. Unless it's eating spiders, then don't do that. Intelligence can lead to stupidity. Uh -huh, no comment. Taking more advice can leave you less prepared. Hey, let's watch 20 videos of how to swing a golf club. Effortlessness springs from effort. The incremental, consistent toil no one notices. The more I learn, the less I know. Realizing you'll never know at all is a good starting point. Do less, accomplish more. My favorite. The Song of the Week is by Noah Kahn, titled Stick Season, and it's catchy. The, I love the verse, I'll dream each night of some version of you that I might not have, but I did not lose. Go listen, there's even a banjo. A final thought regarding a word I adore, clarity. Clarity is goodwill. Clarity is courtesy. Clarity is generosity. Clarity is unselfishness. Clarity is thoughtfulness. Clarity is consideration. Clarity is kindness. Clarity is love. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.